Today we're going to be looking in Proverbs chapter 3 as we continue our study through Proverbs and see the principles that God teaches us from His Word uh, that we should apply to daily living. And, and as we apply these principles to our lives, it's important for us to, to pay attention. Years ago, my, uh, my wife, my wife uh, and I were talking about different, uh, different health situations going on. And, and you know, I, I, I know that, I know that uh, we, have, we have doctors in the medical field and all that, and, that's, and they're, they're wonderful, and, and I'm thankful for them, but I, I just don't like going, you know. And uh, I, I don't like shots. Uh, shots hurt and, uh, and needles scare me. And I, I just don't like those. So I do as much as I can to take care of my health aside from that. Now, whenever I need them, I, I will go. And, I, and I'll, I'll uh, you know, I'll, I need to do routine checkups and things like that from time to time, as, as we all should. But uh, uh, they're, they're there in their place, and I appreciate them. But one day I was talking to my wife about uh, about different health situations, and and she she said she said you need to you need to listen you need to listen to your body, and you need to you know be in touch and figure out what's what's going on and how your body responds in different situations, and then pay attention to that and uh, and make adjustments accordingly. Like if I'm taking a supplement and it helps me, then continue taking that supplement. But if I take something and it doesn't do anything, then you know, don't worry about that. Or if it uh, has a negative effect on me, then don't, don't do that anymore. And, and so uh, I told her, I said, the problem is I, I, don't, I don't feel anything. You know, I, I'm not, and she, she said, you need to pay attention to your body. You need to pay attention to the things going on. And, and that, that same truth holds, uh, it, it holds weight in our spiritual lives as well. We need to pay attention to what's going on in our spiritual lives. We need to pay attention to, uh, to the different circumstances of life and how they affect us spiritually because they do affect us spiritually. We live in a world that is, that is not just physical. Uh, this, while we may only see the physical realm for the most part, there is a spiritual realm that, that, uh, we, don't, that we don't necessarily see with our, with our physical eyes. But, uh, but the Bible tells us that they are there. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And while we know that there are those evil forces, we also know from the Word of God there are good forces as well. There's God and the Holy Spirit, Jesus, there's the, uh, the hosts of heaven, and I'm thankful for those. We are engaged in a spiritual battle and we need to be paying attention. We need to, we need to pay attention to, uh, to how when we obey the Word of God and the principles that it gives us, how we're, how we're blessed accordingly. And when we disobey, we step out from under that protection of God and we suffer the consequences uh, of, of, that, uh, of that decision that we've made. And we, when we pay attention to those things, we'll recognize, we'll recognize the effects that our choices have on our spiritual life. When you make the decision to get up in the morning and, and start your day without spending time with Jesus, you'll find that you're weaker spiritually throughout that day. You'll find your defenses are, are down when the, when the enemy attacks and you're, uh, you're more likely to give in to the temptations. But if you spend time with Jesus, you'll see that you have strength to stand. 
and having done all to stand, you can stand, as Ephesians says, with your loins girt about with truth, with uh, the, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, that your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and the, the shield of faith, and, and you're, you're ready to go, praying always with all prayer and supplication. You're ready to face the enemy. Now, we can't face him on our own. We, we understand that. We need Jesus Christ. We're no match for the devil. But Jesus has already defeated the enemy. Jesus has already defeated Satan. He's already defeated death, hell, and the grave. And he gives us that victory and victory over sin. And we just need to remember. As, as, we, as we get up and, and begin our day, we need to remember the victories. But we can't just live in yesterday's victories or else we'll never win today's battles. We need, to, we need to remember the victory from yesterday. We need to remember where the victory came from. So we trust not in ourselves, so we trust not in others around us, but we trust in the one who gave the victory to, to begin with, and that's Jesus Christ. And as we remember and as we trust, he'll help us to live in victory. Today I want to talk to you about uh, this, this truth of, of remembering. I want, to, I want to encourage you, don't forget. Don't forget what God has done. Don't forget where your strength comes from. Don't forget where the victories, uh, the, the source of your victories. Don't forget. An older couple sat on their front porch one evening enjoying each other's company and uh, as they watched the sun begin to set. They'd finished their dinner and worked together to clean up the kitchen, and now they were relaxing a bit before they turned in for the night. And as they sat there, the, the man turned to his wife and he said, You know what would be really good about right now? A big bowl of ice cream. Oh, yes, he replied. And I just bought a, a big tub of Tillamook French vanilla ice cream. And that'd be so good about right now. And he said, well, I'll just go get us some. And he stood up and began to go in. She said, do you need any help? Oh, no, no, I, I'm fine. It's just ice cream. Well, in that case, I, I also picked up some chocolate syrup. Would you, would you mind putting a little bit of that on my ice cream? Oh, I'd be happy to do that for my sweetheart, he said. Well, I think you ought to write it down. She encouraged him. Oh, no, I'll be fine. It's just a bowl of ice cream with some syrup. She said, could I trouble you to put some whipped cream on there and maybe get some Oreo cookies and crumble them up on there? I got some cherries too. That'd be really good. It would be my pleasure, he said, and he didn't even work for Chick-fil-A. You really should write it down, though, she encouraged him. No, I'll, I'll be fine. I got a mind like a steel trap, he said as he began to go inside and he was in there for about half an hour or so, because you know us guys, we get distracted, don't we? And when he came out, she, she was just about to get up and go check on him, and, but he, come, he comes out and he steps through the door and he's got a big tray in his hand, he's got two plates of scrambled eggs with cheese and grits and bacon cooked nice and crispy, biscuits and gravy, coffee and orange juice. I mean, all the, all the, the fixings, and, 
And he brought it around and he, he, he sets it down on the table there in between their two chairs. And, and she looks at that and she looks at him and she begins to laugh. And she said, I told you. I told you you ought to write it down. And he said, what? What are you talking about? She said, I said I wanted my eggs fried over medium. <laughs> now, you and I, we, we, we I hope our memories are a little bit better than that. Sometimes they're not, are they? And as we, as we get older, we, we might have some of those senior moments, as they call them, where we forget something. But, uh, but I, I'm, I'm glad, that, uh, I'm glad that, uh, that, you know, most of the time the things we forget, they're not super important. You know, it might be that she wanted them over medium. But uh, the truth is, though, that we need, we need reminders. We need reminders to help us keep keep the priorities straight and we need reminders to help us be sure that we're accomplishing things and not forgetting very important things and so, some people like to like uh, they like to write little reminders on post-it notes maybe put it on their their uh, back door or their uh, maybe they put them put uh, little index cards on their mirror uh, here and there different places around the house strategically placed uh, reminders maybe uh, may, maybe a, a big a big uh, reminder that's posted on the refrigerator that says do not open you know uh, during meal uh, in between meals and uh, and we need these little reminders years ago people would tie a string around their finger to remind them of, of something you know and and we we need these reminders we even have the capability of setting reminders on our phone but still we forget things don't we we still forget and over and over through the book of Proverbs, King Solomon reminds his son, and he, he writes to his son saying, don't forget. Don't forget. And as we journey through this book, we need to take heed to this admonition ourselves. In chapter 3, the very first thing Solomon says to his son is, remember. We need to remember. He says in, in verse 1, my son, forget not my law. What he's saying is, remember what I've said to you. Remember the law that I've given. Remember the instructions you've been given. Don't forget them. We, we need to keep these things in mind as we live through our day. As, we, as you read the Word of God, as children of God, we need to not forget the law that our Father has given us. He says, my son, forget not my law. But then he, he goes on and he helps us understand that God's way is best. See, the laws that he gives us are going to help us make decisions for each, uh, each and every uh, situation of life. And God's way is best. And that's what we need to keep in mind. That God's way is best. Um, the enemy is going to come from every side. Temptations will, will, uh, and trials will, uh, will come upon us. The, uh, and we need wisdom from God. There are unbelievers that will intentionally provoke you to do wrong. Uh, they will tempt you to engage in practices that will please the flesh. Uh, just going through your daily routine will bring you face to face with temptation. And we need to not forget the law that God has given us. And we need to choose God's way in those situations because God's way is best. If we give in to temptation, the end result will be pain and heartache. It'll uh, leave us with an even greater degree of emptiness than we had previously experienced. 
That's why it's so important for us to remember the things that our Heavenly Father has taught us in His Word. It's vital for us to keep in mind His principles that He's laid out uh, for us because His way is best. Notice it says there in verse 1, it continues and says, But let thine heart keep my commandments. Verse 2, For length of days and long life and peace shall they add unto thee. Uh, How many of us could use a little more peace in our life? Amen? Uh, You follow the Lord and He says he'll, He'll add peace to your life. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. I'm so thankful for that promise. And while we may not see it now, God's way is absolute best for you and me. He he has it all figured out. He's looked at it from every angle. He's he's factored in every possibility. And, And he's chosen a path for us. He's chosen a path for you and for me that will bring us the greatest amount of blessings and help us to become a better reflection of Jesus Christ. God's way is best. Now, uh, we need to notice this. We need to remember this. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy, but you can do it. The Bible says, uh, Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. This is an incredible statement. To, to live our lives in a way that honors God and helps us find favor in the sight of men, it, 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 seems, it seems impossible. But God says it right here in His Word, and so we know that it's true. We can live our lives in a way that honors God, and it brings us to favor in the sight of God and men. Uh, it, now, it, it won't be easy. Because, because the world is pulling us. Our friends are pulling us this way and that way. And, uh, but God's way says, this is the way, walk in it. And we need to choose that way. We need to choose the way that God says to go. It, won't, it, it goes against our, our nature. Because, uh, because we are born in sin and our, our flesh is drawing us toward the pleasures of sin. And, but God says, no, hey, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Go my way because my way is the best. Anything worth having is worth working for. You know, I believe that that's one of the reasons that many, many people today do not appreciate the blessings that we have. There, there are many people in our society that have, that have given, it, given over to the ideas of socialism that is, that, is, that is totally, it is totally against Scripture. We, we, need to, we need to resist those ideas and stand on the Word of God. It, it, it is... You know, the Bible teaches us if a man will not work, neither should he eat. And socialism says, let's give everybody everything for free. But if you, if you think about that logically, somebody has to pay for it. They, they don't just, you know, they don't just all of a sudden have all these things for free. No, somebody has to pay for it. And, and if, we, if we begin handing everybody something for free... It's going to break those. It's going to break the bank, and it's and the economy is not going to last, because God taught us if you want something, work for it. Or if somebody wants to give it to you out of the goodness of their heart, not because of government force, but out of the goodness of their heart, if they want to give it to you, then let them do that. It's the, it's their it's their stuff. Let them give it to you, and that's fine. 
But, uh, uh, but anything worth having is worth working for. I remember, I remember whenever I was a, a kid, my dad, uh, my dad had, uh, had uh, a car. Whenever I, whenever I turned uh, 16, he told me, he said, he said son, I'm not going to give you a car. Like, but I, I, I want one. He, well, you're gonna earn, earn it. You're gonna buy it. And so, and so I worked, and I, I earned money, and I, and before, uh, before too long, I, I, I bought a car, and I, I enjoyed that car. It was mine, and I was, I was very excited to have my own car. I appreciated it, and I took care of it. It was, a, it was a Ford Escort, and the air condition was so cold. It was nice on those hot, humid Georgia summer days. I'd turn that air condition on as high as it would go, and it would blow snow. Literally, it was blowing snow because of the humidity. It was freezing it, and I loved that car. It was nice. I mean, it was a, it was a piece of junk, you know, but, uh, but I loved it. And I took care of that thing, and I, it, was, it was great. But if, we, if we'll discipline ourselves to trust the Lord to provide for us the things that we need and work for the things that we want, it'll give us a greater appreciation for the things that we have. Uh, this, this is what God's Word teaches us. Disciplining ourselves to trust the Lord and follow His leading in our lives it can be one of the most difficult things that, you, that you'll ever do, but uh, because it goes against the way that society is teaching us. It goes against the desires of the flesh. But we can clearly see that we dare not trust ourselves when we begin to look at, at life and, and how uh, when we're paying attention. Remember I said pay attention to when you obey God's principles, how He blesses you. And when you disobey God's principles, how you suffer the consequences of that. When you be, begin to pay attention to that, you see you can't trust yourself. The Bible says the heart of man is deceitful above all things. That means it is the most deceitful thing. I mean, sometimes we think that insurance salesmen or car sell, used car salesmen are deceitful, but they, they don't even hold a candle to your heart. They, they don't even come close to how deceitful our hearts are. We, we think politicians, oh, they are so corrupt, and many of them, most of them are. But they don't, even, they don't even come close to how corrupt your heart is. Because your heart wants what it wants. And it's going to connive and scheme. And it's going to present ways to you to satisfy your flesh. And to get what you want. When even, even if it's totally opposed to God's word. It's, it's deceitful above all things. It'll convince you. It'll convince you of the worst thing of all it'll convince you that your way is better than God's it'll convince you that that having your way will bring satisfaction we're reading the and studying through the book of Proverbs but the next book is the book of Ecclesiastes Proverbs and Ecclesiastes are like bookends on the life of King Solomon King Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs in the early years of his reign whenever he was enjoying the wisdom that God blessed him with. But, the, but he, he turned to many wives. The Bible says that Solomon married many wives. Um, he, he had, he had uh, hundreds of wives. And 
concubines and all of that, the Bible says. And, and he, allowed those, he allowed those wives to turn his heart away from God because of the political alliances and, and wanting to please this one and that one. He, would, he began to, to offer sacrifices to the many gods of, of his many wives and turned away from God. He had all kinds of riches. The Bible said that the Bible said that he that he was so wealthy that the economy boomed there in Israel during his reign so that silver was so prevalent that it was like gravel by the side of the road. I mean that's that's an incredible amount of wealth, isn't it? So he took his wealth and whatever he wanted, he bought it. If he wanted to do something, he did it. If he he wanted to marry somebody, he did. And he enjoyed that that marriage and everything that goes with it. He, he, He did whatever he wanted. He said, I kept back nothing from me. In Ecclesiastes, he gives this testimony and he says, and it's all vanity. It's empty. And vexation of spirit. It's a trouble to my spirit. It doesn't bring the pleasure that you think it's going to. Oh, it'll bring temporary pleasure. But it doesn't bring satisfaction. It doesn't bring you that completeness that you're looking for. Because that's a void that only Jesus can fill. And He wants to fill that in your life. Even if, you're, even if you are a believer, even if you have, uh, have trusted Jesus as your Savior, if you choose to go your way as opposed to following God, you'll find, you'll find just like Solomon, it is vain, it is vanity and vexation. It's a trouble to you. And you work hard to try to have fun and you exhaust yourself trying to have fun and you feel just as empty or even more than you did before. But if you turn to Jesus, and if you'll obey Him, if you'll you'll repent and get your heart right with Him, you'll find that He satisfies. Only Jesus can satisfy. You'll see that you can't trust yourself. We've done enough and gotten ourselves into enough trouble as it is. And we ought to... We ought to have learned that we can't trust ourselves. But we need to trust somebody. And I'm glad that there's one that you can trust when there's nobody else you can trust. And his name is Jesus. The Bible tells us in verse 5 here, it says, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord, notice this, with all thine heart. He already knows what's in your heart. He already knows the, the deepest secrets. You know, hey, sometimes, sometimes there may be some things in your life that, that, you, that you keep hidden and you, you try to hide even from your best friend, even from your husband or your wife. You try to keep these things hidden because you don't want them to find out about these secret sins. But there's somebody that already knows. And anytime you keep something from somebody, you are putting a wall between you and them. You are separating yourself from them. And, and let me encourage you with this. Don't keep secrets from your spouse. Be open and honest. 
Keep, that, keep those lines of communication open. Oh, it may be, it may be hard for you to, to confess something. It may be hard for you to admit something to them. Hey, but, but it'd be a whole lot easier for you to admit it to them and help them through, uh, help them through the stage of forgiveness and, and rebuilding there than it will be for them to catch you and find that you've been deceitful hiding these things from them. Because then your sorry is not going to amount to very much. But if you're open and honest, it strengthens that relationship. It may hurt for a while, and, and, and as, it, as it should, and, and it may take a little bit for trust to be rebuilt, and, and we can all understand that. But God helps us to rebuild. God helps us to forgive. God helps us to trust again. But I'm glad that even even those secret things in our hearts, Jesus already knows about. And He wants you to trust Him with it. Because He's there for you anyway. It may hurt Him, but He's not going to turn His back on you. The sin that you are harboring in your life, it it grieves the heart of God. But He's there for you anyway. He's not going to turn you away. But He wants you to confess it to Him. He wants you to trust Him. He wants you to come to Him and confess your sin. Not say, yeah, God, hey, I, guess what I did again? Confession, a biblical confession is agreeing with God. Confess it. Agree with Him about it. We're going to talk more about that in just a, in just a, a few minutes, but trust in the Lord. See, so you, can, you can take to Him your, your deepest struggles. You can take to Him the, the pain of your heart. You can take to Him anything and everything and cast your cares on Him because He cares for you. Sometimes we don't, we don't share secrets with people because we're afraid they're going to go and tell somebody else or we're afraid how they're going to react to us. But Jesus will only always react to you with love, with grace, with compassion, with tenderness and mercy because that is who He is. He'll listen, He'll receive you, He'll, uh, he'll comfort you, and he'll, he'll strengthen you. And you can trust Him. You, you might not always understand the direction that He leads. Uh, in in, the, in the, the psalm that is, that is probably the most widely known psalm, Psalm 23, the Bible says, uh, speaking of our shepherd, says, though, uh, that, that it says He leads us in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for Thou art with me. See, he, he doesn't, he's not leading us uh, in paths of righteousness just during the good times. And then when it gets dangerous and dark, he says, oh, you go that way. That's not how he works. He goes with us through those deep, dark, dangerous valleys. 
He's there with us. And knowing that He's there with us helps us to be able to walk right on through without fear. We can be like Moses, uh, standing boldly and walking in confidence as seeing Him who is invisible. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thine own understanding. God, I don't understand why you would lead this way. Do it anyway. God, I don't understand what you're doing, but Lord, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to obey you. I'm going to follow you. This seems like it's not going to work out, but God, your ways are higher than my ways. Your your thoughts are are much higher than mine. So Lord, I just trust you and I'm going to obey. I I had no idea what God was was going to do whenever whenever I, I... Whenever I answered his call to sell my, sell my, my uh, house and my possessions there in Georgia and load my family up and move west, I, I had no idea. I, I felt like, I, I felt like uh, we were, humanly speaking, we were uh, headed for homelessness. But God had, had given the call. And when he calls then we know that He's going to be with us. We know that He's going to lead us and guide us. We know that He's going to provide everything we need. We can trust Him because He's trustworthy. And he's, He has all power. And He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. And we just need to trust Him. We need to trust Him completely. And we need to follow Him. And I'm so glad that we stepped out in faith and followed God as He led us to come west. Hey, He might not be leading you to sell everything that you have and move across the country or move across the world. But He is calling you to do something, to do something, to step out in faith. It's going to get you out of your comfort zone. It's going to get you to a place where, where, you, uh, where it's, it's God do something or I'm, I'm going to fail here. And that's exactly where he likes for us to be. Not because he's trying to make us miserable. Because, uh, because he loves us. He doesn't want to make us miserable. But if he can get you out there, out of your comfort zone, far enough away from where you're comfortable to where where you just have to trust him or it's all over with, that's where he does his work. That's where his power is seen. That's where others can see the power of God at work in your life. And then God is glorified. Uh, again, I, I, I refer to this often, but I, I just it applies so strongly to this. Peter and, and the other apostles, they were the other disciples, they were with Jesus there after he had fed the 5,000. And Jesus told them, get into a boat and go to the other side while I send the multitude away. And he compelled them to get into the boat because these guys were fishermen. As you read further in the story, you see a storm came up. And maybe they could look at the sky and see that the storm was on the horizon, that it was about to be there, and and they knew that they should not get out in the boat. But God said, get in the boat and go. Jesus, God in the flesh, said, get in the boat and go to the other side. And so after much persuasion, and after the Bible says he compelled them, he basically, he pushed them into the boat. I don't think he physically shoved them, but he, he got them to get in against their better judgment, or what they thought was their better judgment. And they went on out into the, into the sea, going across to the other side. 
Jesus goes up into a mountain to pray. And they were out there in the middle of the sea and a storm came up. And it begins to toss the ship this way and that way. And they were fearing for their lives. I can just imagine some of them, some of them there working hard to keep the, keep the, the, the boat uh, upright and, and maybe they're bailing some water out and all of that. And some of them might be saying, we told him that we shouldn't be out here like this. We told him that this boat was going was to sink and we were going to die. The storm was coming. We shouldn't be out here. But he told us to go anyway. I don't know what in the world. And all of a sudden they see something out there on the water. They thought maybe it's a ghost and, and they begin to cry out for Oh my goodness, not only are we out here going to drown, but there's a ghost going to get us. Then they hear his voice, fear not, it's I. And somebody said, that, that sounded like Jesus. But we left him on the shore there. I mean, how's he on the water? He's, he's not in a boat. Looks like he's walking. And Peter said, Lord, if that's you, bid me to come to you on the water. Lord, I want to do what you're doing. I want to get in, I want to get in on what you're doing. Would you let me do that? And Jesus said, come. Now Peter, a man of the sea, a fisherman, Knowing that, humanly speaking, he shouldn't be out there on the water at all, even in a boat, because of the storm, he really knew he shouldn't be out there on the water out of the boat. But God said, come. So Peter stepped out. And he did something that nobody else has ever done before. You know... I, I would like to think that if I was one of the other disciples, that, that whenever I saw Peter walking, I'd say, me too, me too. But they didn't, did they? But Peter walked out there on the water to Jesus. Now, yes, he got his eyes off of Jesus and looking on the storm around him, and he began to sink. But he walked on the water. But in order for him to do that, he had to get away from his comfort zone. He had to get away from his, what he considered his safety and his security. He had to get out there to where he could only trust God or die. And when he began to sink, he said, Lord, save me. And Jesus reached down and pulled him up. And they went back to the boat. And if you read there in the book of Matthew, it says, when they came back into the boat, all the others came down and fell down at Jesus' feet and worshipped Him. They saw Jesus for who He is. See, many times God wants you to, God, God wants you to trust Him, even when it doesn't make sense to you, because He wants to do something through you that only He can do. He wants you to get out from, from your comfort zone. He wants you to, to get, a, get away from what you consider your security and your safety. And just let God be God. 
too often we play it safe. It was Sir Francis Drake that said, uh, that said, God keep us, keep us from never, never go. I'm, I'm trying to remember how he said. It. I'm going to have to have to somewhat paraphrase, but it's um, keep us from keep us from choosing to to not go far to accomplish your will because we're too afraid to get away from the shore. We just like to play around in the shallows. You know, when God calls us, He doesn't call us to comfort. He calls us to trust. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And lean not unto thine own understanding. It doesn't have to make sense if God says it. Notice He says, in all thy ways acknowledge Him. See, when you're, when you're away from your comfort zone, when you're away from your safety net, and when you're away from all the things that you find security in, you just acknowledge Him because He's there. You know, you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, He's there. He's there with you out on the water in the midst of the storm. He's there with you as you walk through the fire. He's there with you in the den of lions. He's there with you all the time. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He will never leave you nor forsake you. So wherever you are, whenever you're there, whether the sun's shining or the storm's raging, acknowledge Him because He's there. And He will direct your path. I was, I was uh, with my brother and a couple of friends years ago. We'd, our family had moved into, into a house there in Noonan, Georgia, and, and uh, we were getting things settled in. Some friends came over and and my brother and my friends and I, we wanted to go explore the woods behind our house. And there were a bunch of woods behind our house. And, and we got out there and, you know, just playing, uh, playing G.I. Joe or Army or something like that, you know, having a good time. And, and uh, it begins to get dark and, and we needed to go home. And we began to look around and which way? Which way do we go? And my brother being the, you know, older one, um, he, he, he took it upon himself to be the leader of our group, and he said, this way. And so he, we began following him, and we're walking along and, and uh, following him, and we go this way around this and down across this creek, and we're going over here, and, and we keep walking and walking and walking, and all of a sudden, I'm like, hey, we saw this tree just a few minutes ago, and this this fallen tree we saw that and we've crossed this creek before and we realized we were lost and but but we knew we knew that that patch of woods was surrounded by roads all around so we knew hey let's just pick a a a direction and go and we'll eventually reach a road and you know we can call mama and daddy or something you know and uh but we uh but it began to get dark. And it was, it was scary out there in those woods. I didn't know what might be in those woods. I'd heard that there were bears and, and boar. And I'd heard that there were you know, some scary creatures out there. And I, I didn't know. I was, just, I was just in the fifth grade. And, but I, I couldn't let my friends know that I was scared, you know. But it's scary out there. 
And sometimes in life it's scary. But we can always trust Jesus. Because he knows the direction to go. He knows which way to lead you. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Trust the Lord. Then. In verse, verse 11, the Bible says, My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father, the son in whom he delighteth. Sometimes what God is doing in our life is he's training us. Sometimes the direction that he's leading us, he's, he's just wanting us to, to grow and to learn more about his way and and. And he's wanting to help us to see that his way is best. And whenever we do step out of, out of line, he corrects us lovingly, not, not harsh. Again, he, he's, he's, not, he's not the mean old guy in the sky waiting to, waiting to smite you with his big club whenever you step out of line. That's not who God is. But he will correct you. He will, he will uh, the word here is chastening, and, and many times we, we, when we hear that word chastening in Scripture, we have the idea of like spanking or something like that that parents would uh, do for their children. Uh, but this isn't just that, this isn't punitive. This is training. This is teaching. Um, I heard a man this week say, I could, t- I could tell you how to wrestle by drawing it on a chalkboard. But in order to train you and prepare you, in order for you to really learn, we're going to have to get out on the mat. And, and sometimes the direction that God leads us is training, it's, it's discipline, it's chastening. And, and he, he puts us out there on the, on the mat with somebody and we, we wrestle around a little bit so he can teach us how to, how to uh, win in the, the battles that we face in life. Let's not get weary of his correction. God, you're always telling me what I did was wrong. and Well, maybe because everything you did was wrong, right? But, he, but it's not that he likes making fun of you because he's not making fun of you. It's not that he, that he enjoys pointing out your faults and failures. But that's not what he's doing. What he likes to do is he likes to help you see what the best way is so you can get victory and you can live in victory over those faults and failures, over those sins, so you are not living in a way that's displeasing to him. He wants to help you to grow to, uh, to, uh, to the place to where you're not giving in to those sinful things. And He's correcting you because not because He's mean, but because He loves you. Because without the correction, you'll go on doing the wrong and suffering the consequences of it. Whom the Lord loveth, loveth He correcteth. Even as a father, the son in whom He delighteth. There was a time when I did something, I forget what I did, but it was, it was bad, I'm sure, because, because I needed a whooping and my mom gave me one, and, and I, I got mad about it. And it was sometime around the time we had moved into that house in Noonan, so you know, there's lots of stories that go along with that apparently today, uh, but, uh, uh, but we still had some boxes stacked up in my bedroom there, and and my mom, my mom had given me the whooping, and she stepped out of the room, and and 
And uh, when she did, I, I, just, I punched that stack of boxes. But it's interesting how Mama knows, right? She had stepped out. Then she leaned back just in time to see me punch those boxes. And she went, <clears throat> was that for me? I got something for you. And she made sure that time that my attitude was different whenever she was done. And, um, and I, was a, I was a better Christian for it. <laughs> Actually, I wasn't saved at that time, but <laughs> and my actions showed it. But my mom loved me enough to train me the way that I needed, lovingly disciplining me to help me to correct my behavior. And God loves us enough to correct us when we do wrong. Now, the methods that he uses for our training, they're not always pleasant, but they are what's best for us. The Bible says in Hebrews, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness to them who are exercised thereby. In verse 19 of Proverbs 3, the Bible says, The Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth. By understanding hath he established the heavens. By his knowledge the depths are, are broken up and the clouds drop down the dew. You know, when you and I are tempted to, to think that God didn't choose the best route for us, we, we, ought to, we ought to just take time to remember how he made everything in creation just so perfectly. The laws of nature teach us that God thought of everything. You know, I'm, I'm, glad that he, I'm glad that he came up with the law of gravity, right? Because without it, we'd all be kept flying out there in space somewhere, you know? Uh, I'm glad that he, that he uh, planned the laws of nature and he set those laws in place. I'm glad that he did all of that. You know, when you think of just the laws of nature that God designed and, and put in place, uh, that, that shows his wisdom, it shows his, uh, his, his power and His might. And it proves, it proves us that He is. He's the great creator. He's the designer. And, and if, he, if He is so wise to come up with all of these, don't you know that He's wise enough to come up with solutions for your situations in life? Skeptics will say that it was the process of evolution that, through which we developed body parts or did away with body parts that we no longer needed and that we began different things in our body function in a certain way because that's what we needed for that stage of evolution or whatever they say. Uh, but, uh, you know, they'll, they'll, say, they'll say that man evolved from monkeys and that we don't need our tails any longer so that's why we don't grow them anymore. But, you know, I, I'd love to argue that point. Can you imagine how helpful a tail would be? Getting the groceries out of the car and the, the diaper bag and all of that, and you're trying to work your way into the house, and, and somehow you've got to get your keys and open the door, you know. But wouldn't it be so helpful to have a tail just reach around there and open that door and just walk right on in? Wouldn't that be great? But see, it's, it's not that we don't need a tail, that we've evolved past that. It's that God doesn't have a tail, 
And he made us in his likeness and, his, and after his image. And so because he doesn't have one, we don't have one. Right? That's Bible. Now, the Bible doesn't say God does not have a tail. you know, But it does say that he made us after his image and, and likeness. And because he made us, because he's the way he is, he made us the way we are. Evolution had nothing to do with it. God did. There's so many other things that we could that we could argue about that, but we're not going to take time to do that. Our time is is quickly going by. God set the stars in space and designed the process by which moisture evaporates into the air and collects in the sky, forms clouds, and drops down the rain on the earth, and uh, which soaks it up and nourishes the the plants, and and once again evaporates that into the air. God designed all of that out of, out of His wisdom. He's so wise. To do all of that, we can trust Him. Real faith. Real trust is going beyond mere words, saying that we'll trust Him. That trust will be seen as we act in faith and obedience. We have the tendency to think that if it's meant to be, then, then it'll happen automatically. But in reality, that's not the case. People say, well, if it's meant to be, you know, then you know, it'll, it'll happen. But no. God has a will, He has a plan for your life, and, it, and it's what's best for you. However, unless you, choose, uh, unless you choose it, unless you discipline yourself to follow His plan, you're not guaranteed that His plan will be done in your life. But if you want His plan to be done, then if you want what He meant to happen in your life, then you're going to need to submit yourself to Him, and you're going to need to trust Him and follow His plan for your life. You see, He shows us and He teaches us what He wants us to do, but it's on us to obey. See, first of all, we've got to trust the Lord, but then secondly, action is required. There is action required. James says, be you doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. We can say we believe God, but unless we're living in obedience to Him, those words are empty and meaningless. Before salvation, we were walking after our own lust, doing whatever came to our mind and thinking that we we're going to find satisfaction in sin. But we always found ourselves empty and feeling hopeless. But God loved us. He sent Jesus to deliver us from that trap. He came to set us free. He came to give us victory that we could live in and uh, came to give us the, uh, the relationship that we could grow in and uh, in that personal relationship with the creator of the universe. This spiritual growth is not just going to happen by osmosis. But it'll happen uh, when we intentionally follow Him, when we intentionally obey Him. It, it must be intentional. It must be deliberate. It must reflect a true heart and attitude that is right with God. And that's going to mean repentance. Remember earlier I, I was talking about confessing sin. It means repentance. True repentance. That is, that is a, a change of heart and mind that results in a change of life. When you agree with God about your sin, that means your heart and your mind are changed. I said your heart and your mind, but you know, you know what I'm talking about. Um, uh, your heart and your mind are changed about your sin, and it's going to result in a different direction for your life. It means you're going to choose to do things differently. It means you're going to it means you're going to change some of the things that you're doing. Hey, many people have the idea that we can just go on living however we want to and God's going to be okay with that, but that's not so. God tells us that we need to depart from evil. That means we need to repent. 
in verse 7, he says, Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Hey, what, what things do you need to depart from today? What things do you need to put out of your life to help you, to, uh, to help you in this new direction that God has given you? What things do you need to repent of intentionally, purposefully, taking action that is going to help you to define the direction of your life? Some, some people came to John the Baptist as he was baptizing there in the Jordan and, and, and uh, these religious people uh, came from the Pharisees to John to be baptized and John said, John said look, you, you go, go away. And, bring, he, and, and his words were, bring forth fruits, meet for repentance. What he was saying is, let your life show that you have truly repented, and then I'll baptize you. Let your life prove what your mouth is saying, and then I'll baptize you. Because see, religion won't do it for you. Religion won't bring you into a fellowship with God. Religion won't change your life for good. Religion will not bring you peace of mind and heart. Religion won't do it. And so John said, go away and truly repent and let your life show that you've repented. We read in every one of the Gospels there, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the story of a lady who would not have been called a lady because she lived a life of prostitution. And that is a, although some, some magazines in, in, I think, the last year or so have, have said that, uh, that that is an honorable career that young girls should consider. Isn't that wicked? Prostitution is, is it's evil, it's sinful, it, it's dangerous, it's deadly. And those who engage in it, they're looked down upon. Men look at, at women who are in prostitution as, as an object that's there for their pleasure should they choose to use her. Women look at, at other women who are, they look at women who are in prostitution as, as scum. They look down on you. And, and, and here's the thing. Hey, I, I know that God has saved many people out of many different things. And, and if that's been a part of your life, hey, Jesus has given you victory over it. And, and praise the Lord for that. Your story may, may be very much like that of, of Mary here. We're not, I'm not saying these things to shame you. I'm saying these things to make a point here for the glory of God. The Bible tells us that Mary... came in to Jesus as he sat at a banquet. She came up behind him and began to weep. And she took a, a box of perfume. And that, that box of perfume, the Bible says, it was worth a year's wages. Most women didn't have enough money to buy perfume. But prostitutes used it as a tool of their trade. 
because she'd put on a, a little dab of, of the perfume and as she went through the city, the fragrance, the fragrance would waft through the air and the man would smell that and be drawn. Catch his interest and she used it as, as a tool of her trade to draw him on in. And in a couple of weeks, we're going to talk about this, this woman in Proverbs 7. But, but that's the life that Mary lived. Till she met Jesus. And Jesus set her free. Jesus showed her that she was worth, worth something. She was valuable to him. She was valuable to God, and He forgave her of her sin. He told her, you are not an object, but you are a human being who is loved and valued. You have purpose, and you have meaning in life. And, and, and He forgave her, and He gave her a, a new direction in her life. And as she, as she thought about all that Jesus, the Savior, has done for her, as she thought about the forgiveness and how her sins, though they were many, they were all uh, removed from her, she was over overwhelmed with gratitude and she comes in and her heart is just overflowing tears are flowing down her cheeks they're falling on Jesus and she bows but she bows at his feet takes this this perfume pours it on his head and on his feet and she begins to wipe his feet with her hair she broke that she took the tools of her trade and she broke it saying no more do I need this I don't need this any longer to do what sin has dragged me into hey Jesus has said me free so Jesus I want to thank you and she gave it to Jesus and she wiped his feet with her hair and, and the people around said why is she doing this that could have been sold so somebody else could have used it for what for sin for your wicked heart she's like no I'm done with it sin does not have rule over me any longer she repented. Jesus said, look, she did this for my burial. She did this with faith in me. Because she knew that I'm going to go to the cross and die to pay for her many sins. She repented. Sometimes we call ourselves repenting when we say sorry. But maybe you need to put some kind of blocker on your phone, some kind of filter on your internet. Maybe you need to maybe you need to delete some phone numbers, maybe you need to sever some ties, maybe you need to uh maybe you need to put yourself on a budget that only allows you to uh to to use a certain amount of money for, for certain things to keep you from hey, whatever, whatever safeguards you need to put in place to help you to truly repent and get those things out of your life. Maybe, maybe, you, need to, maybe you need to go home and flush some, flush some stuff down the toilet. Maybe you need to go home and pour some things down the drain. Maybe you need to uh, go and, and start a... a no, don't start a fire. That could be crime. But uh, <laughs> hey, maybe you need to just get rid of some things in your life. 
The Bible tells us in the book of, in, in the book of Acts that Paul went preaching in, in, the, in the, uh, the city of Ephesus and so many people repented of witchcraft that they brought their, their books of enchantment and piled them up in the middle of the street and set them on fire. And, and it was like thou, what, what would be thousands of dollars worth of merchandise there that they brought and burned in the street because they're saying, sin does not have dominion over me any longer. Hey, what do you need to get rid of? What do you need to repent of? Why don't we do it today? Real repentance and faith is going to bring blessings. As we're often reminded, hey, uh, obedience brings blessings. Hey, you need to trust the Lord. But as you trust Him, action is required. And as you, as you step out in faith and obedience, hey, obedience brings blessings. That's number three. And I'm going to do this quickly and we'll be done. It, it, the Bible says it shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. I always giggled at that whenever I was a kid. Bible's talking about belly buttons here, you know. Uh, but what it's saying is, hey, it's healthy. It is, it is physically healthy for you to do right. You know, medical science it went, went for hundreds and even, even a couple thousand years before they realized that you should wash your hands in running water? But the Bible has said that all along. If we'll just do what the Bible says, it'll help us. It's healthy. It'll keep you away from sinful things. It'll keep you away from dangerous and deadly, uh, deadly activities. It'll keep you... Hey, it, it, it's, it's health. But not only is it physically healthy, it is spiritually healthy. You can't, walk, you can't walk with God and wallow in the mud. You can't, you can't be a strong Christian and feed on the things of sin. It doesn't work that way. You'll be weak and defeated over and over. It's good for you to obey God. And then he comes along and he hits us where it hurts. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. You know, I every once in a while I'll preach on, on giving, I'll preach on tithing and things like that, but hey, it's right here in God's word. That's what this is talking about. Honor the Lord with thy substance, with the first fruits of thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Hey, uh, he, he's saying, he's saying hey, if, you'll, if you'll obey me, I will make sure you have what you need. And in reality, he gives us more than we need. He may not give us, more, he may not give us everything that we say we want, but he gives us everything we need. But many people will never experience those blessings because they never decide to step out in faith and obey God's basic command to give Him what belongs to Him. Honor the Lord. See, see God, God is, not, is not here in body to twist your arm and make you write that check that is giving Him His 10%. He's not... Cracking a whip and forcing you into obedience. But he said, honor. You know what honor is? 
doing what you know is right to do. Doing what you know would please God. It's living your life the way you would if he was standing right there in front of you. But he is right there with you. So we ought to do what he says to do. The Bible says in Malachi that if you don't do this, you've robbed God. I don't think this afternoon. I don't think uh, this afternoon, whenever church is dismissed and people go and put their offering in the box out there, I don't think there's going to be anybody going in there, you know, taking a pocket knife and try to figure out some way to pop that thing open, you know, so they can <laughs> steal that money. I don't think anybody's going to do that. But we'll steal from God in more subtle ways. We won't give Him what's His. We too often place our, our focus and find our security in money. But money comes and money goes and we can still make it. Because God provides what we need. And the Bible tells us if we're obedient to Him... If we're obeying Him and doing what He said for us to, to do, that my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Do you, know, do you know what it truly is when we do not obey God? It's saying to God, God, I know you're all wise and you can choose this direction and all of that. You've got it all figured out. You're smart. You're, you know everything. But uh, when it comes to my money, you don't have a clue. That's what we're saying to him when we don't obey him. Because we trust in what we can figure out rather than what he has promised. How can we think that we're smarter than God? The Bible says, honor the Lord. Do those things that, that please him with thy first fruits of all thine increase. That's your tithe. That's the 10% of your income. Humanly, we're tempted to say, I can't afford to tithe. But the reality is you cannot afford not to tithe and be obedient to him. He's commanded us to give 10% of our increase back to him. And he blesses us for our obedience and faith. And as we experience our, his blessings, our faith increases. And we grow in wisdom. Proverbs says, happy is the man that findeth wisdom and the man that getteth understanding. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver and the gain thereof than fine gold. What he's saying is, look, there, there, is no, there is no monetary price that you could actually put on the value of wisdom. It doesn't even come close. She is more precious than rubies and all the things that thou canst desire are not to be compared to her. You take everything that you can fathom that you could ever want in your life and pile it up and wisdom is worth more than all that. Length of days is in her right hand and in her left is, uh, is riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her and happy is everyone that retaineth her. Hey, Solomon said, God, I know, when God said, ask me what you will and I'll give it to you. Solomon said, I can ask for riches. I can ask for power. But God, I need wisdom. He chose wisdom above all those other things because he knows that with wisdom, he can, he, he's, going to, he's going to make wise decisions and have what he needs. And God said, look, because you've chosen wisdom, you're going to get those other things too. 
I'm not saying God's going God's to, uh, whenever you walk in wisdom, that God's going to give you so much money that, that uh, silver's like gravel around your house. Somebody might be trying to break into your house and get some of that, but uh, uh, that's not what he's saying. He's saying, look, won't you just trust me and I'll take care of you. There's no better place to be than in, complete, in, in a position of complete trust in Jesus Christ. And when you are completely trusting Him, there's peace. There's peace. Proverbs says, My son, let not them depart from thine eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. So shall, thou, so shall they be life unto thy soul and grace unto thy neck. Thou shalt walk in the, thy way safely, and thy foot shall not stumble. When thou liest down, thou, thou shalt not be afraid. Yea, thou shalt lie down, and thy sleep shall be sweet. Hey, how long has it been since you've had a good night's sleep and not been interrupted by just troublesome thoughts? God said, hey, walk in wisdom, be obedient to me, and I'll take care of all that. Be not afraid of sudden fear, neither of the desolation of the wicked when it cometh. In Philippians, it puts it this way. He says, be careful or full of care or anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Hey, tell Him what's on your mind. Tell Him all your cares. Tell Him all your troubles. Tell Him about all your needs. He says, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. Notice this. And the God of peace shall be with you. Obey him. Trust in him. Follow his way. And God's walking with you. Hey, I don't need to fear. There's peace. And when the enemy comes in attacking, hey, God's there, so he's going to take care of them. Right? And that gives us courage. Courage to keep putting one foot in front of the other. You know, society has this idea that, that whenever you declare yourself to be something that God, that God said is, is not the right way, when you, you choose to you know, come out in a lifestyle that, that God has, has uh, said is not His design in Scripture, uh, society says, that is so courageous. They are so brave. No, they are, they, they are sinning. That's not brave. That's not courage. True courage is standing for God and doing what is right, even though everybody around you might not agree. But if you're doing what the Bible says, then you can stand. And God will give you the strength and courage to do that. Proverbs says, For the Lord shall be thy confidence. And shall keep thy foot from being taken. In Proverbs 28, it says, The wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous, those who are doing God's will, those who are living right, those who are, who are walking in wisdom and trusting the Lord and obeying Him, the righteous are bold as a lion. You don't have any reason to fear. You don't have any reason to, to cower. You don't have any reason to, to draw back when you are living in the, in the confidence that Christ gives us. When you're living right and Jesus is walking with you in all your ways, acknowledge Him. And He'll direct your path. Acknowledge Him whenever the, whenever the, the opposition comes against you. Whenever somebody says, why do you believe in God? 
God's right there with you. You don't, you don't say, well, you could just ask him, you know, because they, they'll, they'll think you're crazy seeing stuff, you know. Um, but trust in God to give you an answer. Trust in God to help you to give, to give, the, to give the, res- the response that they need. Trust him to give you the strength to stand. You can be bold as a lion. That doesn't mean rip their face off and bite them. But it means you can stand. And you can declare the goodness of God. Where does all this come from? It comes from faith in Him. Trust in Him. Don't forget it. Don't forget He's with you. Don't forget His way is best. Don't forget, hey, sometimes we'll come to church and we'll hear the preaching and we'll, we'll make some decisions, but then we forget as we walk away and we never truly repent. We never truly get those things out of our lives. Hey, don't forget to repent. Don't forget to obey. Let's put it into action. Don't forget His laws. Let's do what He says to do and trust Him to make the difference. Amen. Let's stand together. Our heads bowed, our eyes are closed. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just want to thank you for your word. It is so powerful. It's so magnificent. I just love your word. There's so much more that I could say along these lines, but Lord, I'm just so grateful that you are the one that makes a difference. Thank you, Lord, that you are the one that gives peace. You are the one that makes a way when there is no way. You are the one that works the miracles in our lives and transforms us uh, and changes us more into your image. Lord, you are the one that is worthy of all of our praise. And I ask you today to do a work in our lives that can only be said, God did it. Help us, Lord, to trust in you. Help us to depend on you. Help us, Lord, to put it into action. And we'll thank you and praise you for all that you do in Jesus' name.